Hey guys, Tommy Casaboni here, your friendly host of the Always Be Booked Cruise podcast. Was a little worried about this episode, about being able to get it in with the whole move and everything. We're going to talk more about that. We're going to talk about some of the things that we're seeing happening in the space about getting back to sea and some of the protocols that are being introduced. And we have the legendary Doug Parker for a nice little 45-minute conversation, as well as your emails. Let us start the show. Hey yo, all aboard and welcome, it's about to be on. Grab a couple of cones, cause we about to be gone to the Caribbean. Seven days and eight nights, got the crew coming heavy, but we all packing light. Yeah, we always be booked, we got our drinks in the sky. From New York City to the USBI, is that a full margarita, man? Finish it up, cause we about to run the beer like Forrest Gump. Finding pockets on the Lido, she ain't gotta be a tent, cause we did the things, and we'll do them again. Tonight's the white party, but we blacking it out, cause we got the drink pack. And we're maxing it out Everybody come on I said sound that horn Cause we gotta get away To where the boat leaves from Yeah Woo All aboard and welcome, ladies and gentlemen To the Always Be Booked Cruise Podcast Coming to you not quite live For the final time For now at least from the K compound down in Boca Raton, Florida, you did hear right. There will be another home for us soon, but this is, after a full year of episodes here, uh, more than that, you should say, should say, uh, significantly more than more than that. Uh, we're going back to New York, but uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in, in, in a little while. But I want to let you know what we have going on today. We do have Doug Parker. We are going to talk right now about some of the things that are going on as far as, you know, we've just been talking day after day, week after week. We're about on about six months now where we just haven't been sailing, right? And uh, everybody's speculating. Everybody's wondering, when are we going back? Everybody's, you know, some people, I mean, the smartest thing you could possibly say in this whole is that you're not really sure the people who so many people out there think they have a, an idea of when this is going to happen but nobody really knows but let's start oh by the way i would like to invite you guys to join my facebook group it is called the always be booked cruise and travel lounge on facebook and it's a really cool community that i'd love you guys for, to be a part of there's a couple of new people this week that have been really kind of uh you know uh, throwing their two cents in and kind of really causing some activity when within the group and I, when when this group is at its best, it's us really. Uh, what would you say? It, it, you you could tell through a Facebook group. Rarely do people get to know each other on the level that I think we do over there. And you know, we all have that common denominator, uh, affection for cruising, and we give each other a hard time. We speculate. We comment, we ask each other questions, we share pictures and experiences, and it's a really cool group. Once again, that is the Always Be Booked Cruise and Travel Lounge on Facebook. So uh, also the YouTube channel, check out YouTube, Always Be Booked. I wanted to start with a Cruise Critic article that I'm looking at right now, and I heard this from a few different places, and what's going on is that the... Um, the U.S. Federal Maritime Commissioner, Louis E. Sola, is uh, basically making a cry for help, basically saying that there is an urgent need for ships to start sailing again from Florida. 
And uh, I mean, the reason is economic, you know, there's so much polarization on this topic, you know, the direct effect of the risk of getting big groups of people back together on cruise ships on one hand versus the economic uh, fallout that will happen if, you know, these ships don't go back to sea. So again, it's just a matter of uh, which side of the fence you sit on. It's a little difficult, you know, as far as, you know, trying to get people to come together and agree with this. The thing is, you know, both sides, I, I like to think, are thinking of having the best interest, but it's just the way to go about it is going to be continuously debated. But here's some of the issues that's going on. So I'm going to go through this article with you. It's by Aaron Saunders. He is a contributor for Cruise Critic. Uh, a report issued by the U.S. Federal Maritime Commissioner Louis E. Sola says that there is an urgent need for the cruise industry to resume sailing from Florida cruise ports, citing staggering losses to revenue, local employment, and the contribution cruise passengers make to other tourism sectors such as the airline and hospitality industries that's what we try to say and that's the biggest argument when you have all these people talking about where the cruise ship is flagged the cruise ship is trying to save some money there is a loophole where it's allowed to be flagged in another country that yeah nobody loves the fact that they're skating around maybe what you might consider labor laws what you might consider some taxes uh they're enjoying some advantages and playing a card that I may not love, you may not love, but if you think every major corporation in the world, in the country, I'm sorry, in this country isn't doing that, doesn't have money overseas, and you know, they're not looking for any loophole. You know what I mean? They're starting companies overseas that don't exist so they could pay those companies and do, I don't even know what they're doing, but they're looking to get out of taxes any way possible. And this is just another, uh, you know, it's not good. But it's no worse than what's already going on. In its latest fact-finding 30, uh, 30 report, FMC Commissioner Sola indicates that Florida, are you ready for this number, has lost $3.2 billion in economic activity and 49,500 local jobs paying approximately $2.3 billion in wages as a result of the suspension of cruising following the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic and the U.S. Center for Disease Control and Prevention's no-sale order in effect through September 30th. Now, this guy is trained to write a long sentence. That's a long sentence right there. Kudos to you, grammatically correct and everything. I would have, I would have, I would have, you know, maybe broke it up a little bit. The report notes that Florida is home to the top three multi-day cruise ports in the world, with 59% of all embarkations in the United States taking place there. So, 59% of all cruising in the in in this country comes out of Florida. And that was recorded in 2018. Uh, It may have changed slightly since then. Uh, Including the corporate and administrative staff of the cruise lines headquartered in Florida, the cruise industry was responsible for over 149,000 jobs in the state, totaling $7.69 billion in wages. Now, nobody, who who is, what's going to survive that? Who, Who can survive that? You know, they are big. So hopefully they can, but I mean, those numbers are just staggering. The cruise industry resulted in $8.49 billion in direct spending each year with Florida. So the cruise lines put money into the economy as well. 
the interviews I have conducted with the port directors, government officials, business leaders all confirm the importance of the cruise industry to Florida's economy and the urgent need for ships to start sailing again, Sola said. The financial consequences of laid-up cruise ships are being seen in government coffers and the pockets of working pockets of working men and women across Florida. People recognize the vital necessity of the cruise industry contributing to the economy again. So this is what always gets me when people are just knocking cruising too. You know what I mean? Uh, you're talking about billions and billions of dollars in not even a year's time, about a half a year. We're talking billions. So all these people that just have something to say about cruising and how, who kind of people, well, somebody's cruising. I mean, when you think about it, you sometimes on the weekend, you see those six or seven ships lined up in Miami. You wonder how the hell are they filling all these damn cruise ships? And that's just Miami. Repeat that in Fort Lauderdale. Repeat that in Port Canaveral. Repeat that in Tampa, Galveston, Texas, uh, Long Beach, New York, everywhere. And that's just in this country. Then you're going overseas. The, it must be like, you know that when they say like, uh, you know, when somebody won the World Series or some big sporting event happened, they always say, man, imagine if everybody who says they were there would really have been there. You wouldn't have, you would nowhere near be able to fit all the amount of people that tell you that they were at this event. If they really were all there, the, the place would have to be 16 times the size of what it is. It's the opposite with cruising. If all the people that tell you cruising sucks and they don't really like cruising, then how are these cruise ships all being filled? You know, somebody's lying somewhere. So extra hit hard was Miami and Port Canaveral. Losses for the 2020 cruise season have begin have been staggering for some of Miami's largest turnaround ports. Uh, before the pandemic, Port Miami welcomed 6.8 million cruise passengers, a world record. As Florida's busiest cruise port and one of the largest and busiest ports in the world, Port Miami is responsible for over 30,000 local jobs, 5.8 billion in economic value, and 188 million in local and state taxes. Yeah, okay, the cruise line isn't contributing. Come on. Port Miami estimates it will tally a $55 million loss this year. And you know, and that number makes sense if you heard that sit down and that meeting the uh, port commissioner had with the heads of the cruise lines a couple of weeks ago. That's why you heard that sense of urgency in her voice, because we're talking about $55 million in just the port of Miami. Losses for Port Canaveral are pegged at 79% of its annual passengers and 16,000 individual jobs, with no cruises sailing from the port since early March, Through the uh, though the annual $1.3 billion that has contributed to the local economy by the cruise industry in Port Canaveral and its sur- surrounding area is at high risk. Nearly 13,000 people were employed directly by the cruise industry in Port Canaveral. In 2019, a number that rises to 23,745 if indirect jobs are included as well. And why would you not include the indirect jobs? In Key West, Florida's only cruise port to function solely as a port of call, the cruise industry contributes over $85 million in economic benefits. And that's weird because, you know, there's a faction of and there's a nonprofit organization in Key West that is that is fighting to have them not be able to uh, take on cruise ships anymore, which 
probably isn't going to get any traction at the end of the day because you know this is too much money uh it provides 1250 jobs locally and makes up 15 percent of the city's total tax revenue yeah so let's be realistic for that but i'm not going to read any more of this article you guys know what i'm talking about you guys understand what's going on here um and then we also you know just basically coming out i've been saying it for a long time as far as needing to have to start seeing what is going to be put in place the cruise industry is not going to just pop back up one day you know what i mean what are they doing what are we emulating? What are we seeing from overseas that we are going to uh, make a carbon copy of and make sure we do it just as good, if not better? And I think there's going to be even more challenges with us because I'm going to be honest with you. You know what I mean? American people, <laughs> we do what we want to do. You know what I mean? These are the European people over there. You tell them, you know, this is how it is. These are the rules. They're going to follow the rules. You know what I mean? We're out here like, uh, you know. You're not telling us what to do. We're gonna do whatever we want. You know, it's it's a little it's a little bit more difficult. So to corral us, you see it every day. I see it every day down here in Florida. It's uh, you know, people do not like these masks. And I get it. I I don't love them either, of course, but uh, you know, I don't I don't knock anybody's decision. Whether you think it's stupid to have to wear a mask because you think it's just a scam or whatever, you have the right to believe that. But, you know, I, I'm kinda I don't know. Call me whatever. I go by the rules. I figure they know a little bit more than me. I'm not in the rooms. I'm not doing the experiments. I'm not conducting the, uh, and I'm not in the lab uh, having firsthand information. So I'm going to just default to, uh, you know, until these numbers start really looking like they're going down. And, you know, we watch them all the time here. We talk about it on the Patreon. By the way, we have a Patreon. We'll talk about that later. I won't do that now. But, um, Here's the other thing you have to consider. Florida just went to phase three. So I don't know how if you agree with that or not, but they just went to phase three, which is really pretty much you can go back to 100%. And from what I'm reading, I don't have necessarily the list of things that phase three means. I'm sure we still have to um, you know, adhere to certain protocols or whatever. But as far as the bars and restaurants and things like that, everybody's going back. And Florida... While it had gotten better, significantly better than it was, I mean, those numbers were out of control for a while. You were seeing 15,000 new cases a day, 11,000 new cases a day. We've been hovering in that 2,000 new cases a day area. But as of now, they're just steaming for It looks like Florida is really just going to power through this thing. And guys, I think that's appropriate. I think, you know, whether you think it's right or not, or we should be more careful than we are or not, I think it's not bad to have a state that's out there uh, conducting the experiment. I think you have to. Guys, you cannot. We cannot continue to take this type of economical fallout. It's a, it's a wreck. It's it's. I'm telling you, it's going to mess people up is just as much as this disease is. People are starting to go crazy. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, let's let's have a state. You know, it looks like it's Florida. Take a shot at just seeing what happens if you just power through it. Because Florida reopened for the most part. And there was the spike. And you saw the spike. And they didn't really do much. Once we reopened and went to phase two, they pulled back a little 
what did they do? They went from 2 a.m. to like midnight. Oh, no, they went to 10 p.m. Then they went to midnight as far as how late you could stay open. Uh, bars couldn't open, but now they can. Uh, so so there's, uh, you know, there was there was a few things that they did once they saw the numbers spike back up. You know, it's almost like pre-protest. It's almost like pre-George Floyd protest and post-George Floyd protest because that was it. We were all under lock and key before those protests. And then when, once those protests started happening, uh, everybody was like, all right, I guess we're out. <laughs> it, and things started getting uh, somewhat back to normal. And it wasn't this, you know, there was that couple of months. Where it was like nobody going in, nobody looking, nobody looking in. You want to go, to, don't you even look at a grocery store. You going to a grocery store? Okay, put this hazmat suit on. You know, every, it was like a, it's like a horror movie, you know what I mean? But now it's 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 definitely changed up and it's calmed down. But that's the thing. So the question is, is, um, you know, are we Florida? Florida is the cruise industry. Okay, that's the one strike you would put against for Florida to go right back, jump back in, and that's the one strike you would say to where maybe Florida should be a little bit more careful is because this industry completely relies on Florida. You heard it. Over 60% of all cruising in this country is out of Florida. And if they do go to phase three, and I think when you do go to phase three, you will see a natural spike. The numbers will go up again. Now, are you going to open up cruising while the numbers are going back up? Well, the CDC, you know, the governor here is all about kind of let's go back to normal. The governor here wants us to kind of power through this thing. Will the CDC look at that, keep an eye on those numbers, and if they don't like the stats that they're seeing based on what the state has ruled, will the CDC increase that, uh, uh, um, extend, extend that halt? You know what I mean? Is the CDC listening? When they announced today that Florida is going into phase three, do you think the CDC, you know, listened to that and said, okay, hold on. Now, we were ready to go forward with this whole thing, and we were pumped about, you know, maybe easing up and letting a partial resumption, a gradual resumption take place. But hold on a minute. They just went to phase three now. So now we got to take a look. I'm not arguing right or right or wrong. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not. I'm not arguing for or against. I'm just saying, is that a possibility? Could they possibly do that? I'm not sure. Um, but we'll have to take a look. And that's the that's the big stuff. There's a lot of other stories out there. Nothing really that takes precedence over what we're talking about now. You know what I mean? The economical impact this is having on Florida, and clearly the powers that be are trying to make sure that people realize that it's urgent that we get back to sea, start that gradual resumption, and obviously Royal Caribbean and Norwegian coming together to try to introduce protocols and submit them to the CDC, as well as CLIA doing the same thing. But uh, there's moves to be made. So you guys may or may not know. I know I've, I do lose track. I am not going to lie about not being 100% sure always about what I bring up on this show and the Patreon. And I will give a quick little plug to the Patreon right now if you want to fast forward this. It is uh, $5 a month and you get access to a show every single day. And it's just me kind of 
I guess, rambling about whatever's on my mind. We talk about everything. We talk about aliens. We talk about robots. We talk about cruise ships. We talk about vacations. We talk about van life. We talk about uh, sometimes we go into stand-up comedy. We talk about, we talk about actors. We talk about uh, so, social media. You know, there's no real restriction as to what we talk about on the Patreon, but I will always try to bring it home to cruising mostly or as often as possible. But yeah, for uh, $5 a month, it's a good way to support this show too. As you guys know, you know, I try to make this show as good as possible and we're out here doing research and editing and spending a good amount of time on it. So even if you just enjoy this show and what we bring to the table, maybe, you know, if you're so inclined, go to patreon.com p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash always be booked and for five dollars you sign up there and you get an extra show every single day you know i hear a lot about people who are you know super cones and that's what we call the patreon members if you are a super cone what i hear is just we just like to kind of start the day to you you know what i mean we turn it on and we you know put that pot of coffee on and we turn you on and you hear, hear you ramble and it's almost like you know i'm in your home we're almost it's just a connection we just develop a familiarity develop a connection and there's definitely a good community within that so definitely check it out p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash always be booked and uh like i said five dollars a month but that's pretty much it what i'm going to do right now is play the interview that we did with doug parker you guys know who doug parker is of cruiseradio.com cruiseradio.net i think you can find him everywhere uh he puts out a bunch of good articles his recent article is really good this one is called the final countdown will the cdc lift the ban on cruise ships and uh he just recently put that up and it's a lot of insight as to what has to happen uh you know again us trying to get back to sea but without further ado let's play our interview with doug and ladies and gentlemen we are back on the line is a very familiar voice to the always be both cruise family the legendary doug parker doug what's going on man how are you better than i deserve man how you doing very very well myself uh is you know it's been well documented i'm and a little bit of a whirlwind uh, as we transfer from one state to another. Um, I wanted to get into a few things with you, if it's okay. I definitely wanted to touch on some of the late-breaking stuff that has come out regarding, I guess, the proposals put forth by uh, the, I guess you want to say, a coalition between Royal Caribbean and uh, Norwegian. And then uh, in the same vein, CLIA. I, I think they kind of like all – I think Royal and – Norwegian led the way, it sounds like, and then Clea kind of jumped in too. But um, as we know, we're still not cruising. We haven't been cruising. What has it been now? Like six months? Yeah. What was it? March 13th? I think so. I knew it was sometime in March. So it's like we're all running around trying to figure out these different ways to try to get our little vacations in. And I think we're all in agreement that all the stuff we try, it's not quite the same as being on a cruise ship and going to these islands that we love with the people we love. But there are things that you could consider second best or, you know, at least close to it. You know what I mean? So I have uh, I talked to uh, Traveling Robert. We had him on a couple of weeks ago, talked about some of his exploits as far as RVing around. And you recently took a break from the whole cruise scene and did an RV trip yourself, didn't you? Yeah, it was a camping trip or a camper trip, I guess. Not really an RV. I have a pull-behind 21-foot uh, camper. 
that I pull behind my truck. An RV would be driving it. Oh, but, okay. Uh, All yeah, right. I mean, minor details, but like, if we're going to split hairs here. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a little bit of a uh, rookie. I thought I thought a, I thought a motorhome meant. So I got I got I got some work to do, man. I got to go back to the books with this whole thing. Um, no worries. <laughs> so. You uh you left out of you left out of Jacksonville and then where were you uh, where was the goal where were you where what was the idea of the trip destination Yellowstone so the KOA in West Yellowstone Montana was the campground home base and the miles and miles of hiking was Yellowstone National Park you know five days there and uh, just north of fifty miles it was kind of a kind of cool a cool hiking trip. Okay, so you spent uh, five days in Yellowstone. Yeah, so we spent uh, five days. Yeah, six, well, six days total, but one day was kind of a wash with consider packing up and arriving. Um, so yeah, five solid days of hiking through there. And God tell you, man, I mean, this is like everyone keeps asking me what it was like. How do you explain it? Disney created it. That's what it's like. It's like you're at a Walt Disney, like an Imagineer created this landscape. Um, it's just hard to, it's almost like I compared a lot to standing in front of a glacier in Alaska for the people who have sailed Alaska, they would understand this, but it's like you're standing inside of a postcard. As you, as you uh, struggled to describe it, I was thinking mm-hmm. that same thing in my mind. I'm like, this is, sounds like a lot of what people say when they're trying to talk about cruising to Alaska. It's just mm-hmm. almost indescribable. So the when I had Robert on, and he's a seasoned RV guy. I mean, he loves RVing like we like cruising. And he, you know, how, I guess all industries have their little self-deprecating ways of, uh, you know, people who trash the, the vacation. You know, we have all the people who trash cruising. And he said a lot of people consider RV uh, standing for uh, ruined vacation. And I got a little chuckle out of that. But I guess what I – leading into that, with that in mind, um, what would you say as far as the conditions? I think we're all used to – you know, when you go on a cruise ship, you're used to settling a little bit for space when it comes to your room, and that's all fine. Mm-hmm. But usually the amenities are still there. All the modern-day stuff is there. Uh, do you feel like there's a big drop-off? Do you feel yourself wanting for things while you're living in the camper? I mean, I, I guess some people could. I mean, the only thing I was really wanting, and this is probably sad to say, but was Wi-Fi um, or cell phone service. I remember that. I'm, I remember you've been struggling. I'm such a workaholic, right? So yeah. having, you know, not being able to drop in and check on my, my stats or what articles are going up and basically – and I trust Richard 100% to steer the ship, but it was, you know, I, I'm kind of, this has been for over a quarter of my life, cruise radio has been my baby. And it's like, you know, trying to drop in on it and not being able to, it's just like, wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I could imagine. I'm actually looking back on that. I didn't know. Like, so I'm, again, I don't know what, <laughs> call me naive. I didn't really know there were too many spots left uh, on, on, on this, on this beautiful land of ours that doesn't have wi-fi so this real no you you have any maneuverability with it could you get to a wi-fi spot there was really no wi-fi whatsoever okay so there was wi-fi at the koa okay. um the problem with that is there's 300 camping spots at koa Oof. and everybody and their brother are camping right now so the guy the owner of the campground told me they're turning away uh, turning away over 200 people a night because People just roll in there and think they could get a campsite without reservations, and it's like, uh-uh, not this year. You can't. 
prior years probably, but not so much this year. But so you have 300 people actually, let's just say times two or three, 600 or whatever, trying to tether off this one Wi-Fi hotspot and it can get you a uh, some slow, some slow service, or there was a couple of times uh, uploading my daily news briefs because I would record them on my iPhone in my camper, and try to find that one bar of signal where I was like, legit holding my laptop, standing on my power pole, holding it up in the air, trying to get that one bar of signal for that one sixty-second file to upload. But it, it worked. But it was good being off the grid. In hindsight, you know, no service in Yellowstone just because it's a national for or yeah, national forest and um or I guess a state park, national park, I mean, and, uh, you know, not a lot of cell phone towers and stuff within there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty much, it's the wild west out there. Yeah. Yeah. So did you drive out? I did. How was was the drive? It was fun. Uh, so I had friends like in Nashville, actually Craig and Jenna who listened to the show. Oh yeah. Shout out to Craig and Jenna. Definitely. Yeah. On the way up, uh, we had lunch with them. And then I had lunch in St. Louis with some cruise radio listeners. Then Kansas City barbecue, made my way into uh, Nebraska for some steak, and then uh, over to Wyoming for a good bison burger. And then I was in Yellowstone by day four. Wow! Wow! All right, just back up for a second on the barbecue. I know you are a barbecue guy, mm-hmm. and you know we got some good barbecue down here. It does the job per se. You might want to say, but. Is is did you get it? Did it really kind of hit you differently with the uh, with the with the Kansas City? Kansas City for sure. I actually I liked it so much. Uh, I did one place on the way up. I think it was called Q thirty nine, and then I did I think it was called Smoke and Joe's or something on the way back through. It was, it was in a gas station, like in a filling station. It was kind of a uh, interesting for a barbecue joint, but it was so good. There was the burnt ends over there, the ribs, the the brisket. You know things you just can't go wrong with some. Some good barbecue. Oh, the burnt ends are my favorite. Like they call it meat candy. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Um, all right. So now you're there. So you, you set up shop. What when you were there, I guess, again, what I try to do as much as possible is get into the day to day. If somebody wants to go and jump into an RV like I absolutely may want to, um, what is the experience like? No Wi-Fi? Okay. In a lot of ways, that's good. For a guy like you, I don't honestly, quite honestly, knowing you as well as I do, I don't know how you survived. Just knowing that you you are a workaholic and not – workaholic is one thing, but a perfectionist and dedication that you bring to what, you're, uh, what you've built, I could imagine you kind of uh, – you probably had your moments there where you were freaking out a little bit, no? Yeah, probably day one I was, and then I kind of, you know, the – the local beers start kicking in, and they have like the the local distilled vodka, probably distilled in someone's bathtub or something. But <laughs> I mean, there's some good drinks over there. So you, you're hiking all day. You're talking about hiking from like 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. and then dinner, having a couple drinks, and doing it all over. You know, doing it all over again the next day. So um, there really wasn't any time to to kind of miss it. I guess probably if I had a lot of idle time on my hands, I'd probably be freaking out. But because we were go go go. Um, that was one thing that really kept my mind on other things. Also, and people don't think of this when they think of Yellowstone, it's a big damn place. It's not like you're going to go into the West Gate and in five minutes you're going to be at Old Faithful or in 10 minutes you're going to be at Grand Prismatic Lake, you know, the Grand Canyon, Yellowstone Lake. Like you're driving from West Yellowstone. Our campsite was six miles from the main gate to West Yellowstone, and we were, uh, driving up to two hours some days 
just to get like to the the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone or of Yellowstone Lake. Like people have this misconception, and I did too, going in, that you know it's kind of the, just this experience where you drive in the main gate and everything's right there in front of you. It's not like that at all. No, no, I get it, I get it. So I guess this, I, I, I don't know how it works since you had no Wi-Fi, maybe there was no GPS, but you have any idea of how much, because that's out of control, even four days in a row, five days, whatever it is, 6 a.m. to 8 p.m., any idea of your actual mileage on foot or at least an estimate? I'd be shocked if you didn't have that. <laughs> I think it was 56 miles we did. So you hiked 56 miles. Yeah, we hiked 56 miles. Um, yeah. Is that what you're asking me? Yeah. Were you talking about driving through Yellowstone? No, I'm talking about uh, hiking, actually. Yeah. So it was, um, yeah, 56 miles. But you have to think, man, like these elevations, yeah. they're killers. Like, yeah, you're not hiking on a, a, a field track here. You're hiking through mountains. Right. You're, you're going, your elevation is 800, you know, 1600 feet sometimes. It's just kicking the shit out of you walking up there, man. So you can it's, feel it's it? It's so intense. Did you have your back? What's that? You could feel like your air, like you could feel the the thinning of the air. Is yeah. that real? Yeah. Well, because you're, you're, you're up there at like 6,000-ish, 7,000 feet, I think, ish, um, to begin with. Then you're climbing up. And you you, know, you have your backpack on with your camelback filled with water. And so, you know, you're, you're weighed down a little bit. Your, your snacks and, you know, bear, uh, bear spray and things like that. So I got to, you know, I, I didn't train like I should have. Hindsight, of course. When I go back out there again, because I am going back out there again, um, I will be training. I'll be running the bridges even more than I'm doing now because that kicked my butt. Right. All right. So then what did you um, – how was the day-to-day once you're done with the hike or, or early in the morning? Everything around excursion. I guess that's what you would compare like excursion-wise. You're going out. You're hiking. You're seeing the sights. Uh, I mean I can imagine. I, you're the Listen. Your pictures were absolutely breathtaking, and knowing from some being someone who takes pictures of beautiful scenery as much as I can, I know the pictures never do it justice. So I could imagine how much how beautiful that must have been in person. Yeah, man, it's it's. I was trying to figure out what pictures to share because there were so many of them. Like you're just you're on a hike, and there's a bison, eight hundred pounds, laying in the trail. And you're like, what the hell am I gonna do? This big bison's here. He's gonna, you know, you see people getting attacked by these damn things. Um, you just kind of walk around them. Uh, you see the elk. You see the badgers, chipmunks everywhere. You know, stuff that I don't see in Florida every day. Yeah. So it, it was really cool um, when we were walking through one of the trails. This buffalo was just laying there, and we're like, okay, don't make eye contact. Just kind of walk around him. And so we were probably a good 20 yards away from him or whatnot. And then his tail started wagging. I'm like, oh, he must be happy. Then he rolls over on his side. I'm like, oh, look, he's playing. But no, he was rolling to shimmy himself over to create some momentum to get back on his feet to uh, to basically tell us to get the hell out of here. I was like me getting out of bed in the morning. I got it. Yeah, so yeah. I was like, I was like, guys, let's just—we're gonna be all jumping in Yellowstone Lake if this thing charges us. I'm just telling you that right now. But luckily, he was cool. He just kind of stood there and gave us the look, and we were like, "Hey, we're in your—we're—we're we're on your property, dude. So we're getting out of here." Yes, that's what I'm—that's what I'm curious about. I, I'm a city—I'm a city guy. And uh, Kay, the other day, I was like, I, I like to go for these walks. And she told me this. Uh, I said, I, well, I need a new spot to walk. So she gave me one, and she told me about this little nature walk. And it's near the library down here in Boca Raton, Florida, the remote, exotic, gorgeous landscape of Boca Raton. And uh, 
I start walking around this thing, and yeah, half of it is like foliage, half of it is lake, and you go through this path. And then I'm walking, and there's no one else around. And out of the little forest area comes this, I mean, a mega raccoon. A mega raccoon, right in the middle. And the thing just looks at me, and I promise you this thing is not scared in the least. And we kind of have like a face-off. And I'm like, mm-hmm. well, I, I guess I'm supposed to walk past this thing, right? I guess that's what I'm supposed to do. So I just did that very gingerly, same thing, no eye contact. Leading to my question... Is that just what it is? You walk around with these giant, I mean, beasts of animals and you're supposed to just, it, it, what if you didn't know what to do? What if you did upset it? Is, it? is that just like a, oh, well, type of thing at Yellowstone? If you go there and you do something stupid, you could come back, uh, you know, family of five could come back a family of four or three. Yeah, I mean, definitely leave it as cargo. If you if you try to mess with a bison, I mean, those things, they, they all attack you. Oh, you know, geez. it's all, it's at your own risk. The At the trailhead, the signs say do not try to feed the animals do not disturb the animals stay distance and there's signs everywhere saying keep back from the bison because there's been a couple of attacks uh, attacks there recently so um but it's people provoking these things like someone trying to get a selfie with the bison in the background uh, she deserved to no, be trampled i was just gonna say that those yeah. people it's like that's it, like what, what do they call that uh, is that natural selection yeah <laughs> yeah yeah thinning of the herd mm-hmm. um Because I'm thinking, while in the moment, it must be a little anxious, but living 99.999% of our lives at the top of the food chain, and then just walking around an environment like that and realizing for that brief time, you are not at the top of the food chain, it's got to be, it's got to be sort of like, uh, it's got to be good for the soul a little, right? Yeah, it's humbling for sure. Yeah. Um, and then I guess the last question on the trip, unless you have any other things you want to add, I do would like to ask like the, what the highlight, the absolute highlight was, but before that, just the whole living situation. So what were you kind of eating? Were you cooking in the, uh, in the camper every day? What was the day-to-day living like bathroom situation, cooking meals, sleeping, or you, you were good. Everything was, everything was very comfortable. Yeah. The refrigerator basically held jello shots, uh, local <laughs> beer, uh, and just the meats because we cooked. So I met my buddies out from Salt Lake City, um, my buddy and his wife. They had the campsite right next to mine. So when we booked it, we were together. Like we were on our own like little peninsula in the KOA. So we were cooking every night outside. So it was like salmon one night. I brought some uh, some fresh Mayport shrimp from here in Jacksonville because my buddy's from Jacksonville and he hasn't been home in a while. So mm. I packed a cooler full of uh, fresh shrimp right off the boat. Uh, did ribs one night, chicken one night. So yeah, just different different meals we cooked on the campfire every night, um, or the little grill rather, you know, with the little green propane tank on top of the thing. Um, but yeah, every, just for breakfast, same thing, man. Uh, eggs and bacon over the campfire in the mornings. Yeah. Lunchtime, not not a big lunch, mostly just protein bars and snacks because we were hiking and uh, we would you know pack like a little lunch with grapes and fruit and stuff and maybe eat in the car after the between trails and go back out again. But the big meals were probably at dinner time and breakfast. Tell me you brought the uh, the guitar and did a little campfire. Oh, you, dude, you know I did. You did, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> and I, it was funny because, uh, and uh, your listeners who on your Patreon know I am not a guitar player. Like, I I'm, I suck at playing guitar. Wait, wait, I just yeah. kind of, I've been doing it for 20 years, and it's just, it's fun to me. Um, and I damn sure can't sing. But I'm sitting here playing, and I think we're doing like, Tom Petty, American Girl, I think, acoustic version. 
And so we're, we're doing it. We're singing around there. And then you have all these people start like, yeah, people cooking around us and they're stopping and they're sitting on the back of their camper. And now they're engaged and they're tapping their foot. They're singing along. It was it was like a mini concert uh, <laughs> on uh, on lot 41 at the KOA West Yellowstone. It was kind of cool. Um, and then I act like I didn't see them because it was kind of like, you know, your, your nerves start getting you start getting nervous when people start watching you. Right. So um we just had a little sing along, you know, mostly country, but a little bit of the, uh, you know, a little classic rock too. Some Stones and Skinner and things like that. No, no request sheet, no tip bucket. No, no tip bucket this time. <laughs> but I think on the trip out there next year, when I'm going out to Glacier, I'll probably uh, bring the tip jar. Yeah. So, not to make you feel uncomfortable, but I mean, the thing is, you're a freak. The thing is this: I, I, I when you, when you came by my, you know, the the uh, Always Be Book Studios in the city, you picked up my guitar, strummed a little, and I could tell, you know, you you're not necessarily shredding solos like Eddie Van Halen, but you were playing a little bit, and I could tell it's something you kind of do intermittently, you know, maybe there'll be a couple of months on when you pick it up, put it down, but then I found out the other day as you were telling me, you, we we were going, we were talking about songs, and I'd name a song. And you would play it. Now, like you said, you're not a professional guitar player with the skill set. and the, But the fact that you are able to, and then you listen to the song, you say, okay, yeah, yeah, let me hear it. Huh? Yeah, that's an E, F, and G. And then you just thought you can play this guitar by ear, which honestly freaks me out a little bit. <laughs> I just, I, I guess it's a gift, right? Like it's one of those freak things that you can hear a song and you can hear that it's a G, C, and D or whatever. And you could you could fumble your way through it and make people like you think I'm really playing it. And I'm like, am I this? Am I what's wrong with me? Because I've been playing the guitar for thirty years myself. But same thing. I took I took eight months of lessons, and it was a, it was a beautiful thing. I'm so thankful that I did it. You take eight months of lessons. You're not interested in it when you do it, but during right. that time you learn the ten chords you need to play to play basically any song. So then you mm-hmm. can basically strum at, at any time. But I'm like. What am I doing? Am I just not concentrating enough? Why, why, how do I not know that it's a GFC progression? And I'm like, but it was crazy just listening to you. I just naming a song and having you play it. But either way, so to, uh, to wrap that part of it up, is there a part uh, of the trip that you know? I guess what I what I usually say about my pure cruise bliss. You know what I mean? That one part or two or three parts during the cruise that like, oh hell yeah, this is why we're doing this exactly this moment with these people right now, right here. What, what was a couple of those, or if, even if it's just one, do you have any of those off, off the cuff? Probably hiking the Grand Canyon of Yellowstone. Mm-hmm. Just picture like Grand Canyon, and then, but you know, thousands of miles north. Um, it probably the uh, the Grand Prismatic Lake. So this is the lake of many colors. It has the steam off of it, and it's yellow, blue, turquoise, green, all these different layers of colors just standing there. And I, I just, I'm just thinking to myself, like, I can't believe this is real. And I, I, I kept telling my friends of this, the whole cruise, not the cruise, the whole hike. I kept saying, this is like Disney World created this. And we're like on, you know, Thunder Mountain or Splash Mountain or, you know, something that they developed. Um, yeah. Animal Kingdom, maybe. Right. You just, it just, yeah. But better. Just being outdoors, man. And one thing I learned too, those like, uh, the pretty lakes that look like the, oh, I want to go in this hot tub and dip in here. Those things have like a pH of two, right? So if you fall in there, a guy fell in in 2016, in 90 minutes, the only thing that was left was the soles of his flip-flop. Don't say that. Are you serious? Animals get it all the time. Yeah. 
each each alive, literally. Oh, I'm reading a great book right now God. called The Deaths of Yellowstone, and it it recalls and recounts some of the the more famous deaths over the past hundred years down there. And there's some crazy, crazy stuff happening over there, man. Like if you wanted to throw a body, you want to get rid of a body, go to Yellowstone. <laughs> the deaths of Yellowstone, real, <laughs> real pick me up, real feel good, feel good page turning that you got there. <laughs> hey, hey, when you're driving forty hours from uh, Salt Lake City back to Jacksonville. You have you have a lot of time to kill, so you can listen to twenty two hours on an audiobook. What do you got? You got any tri- tips or tricks for long drives that you just picked up? I got one coming ahead of me uh, very shortly. Do you have any? Uh, I got my own little, but do you have any? I, I just say stop often. Yeah. Like I, dude, take 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 it in. Yeah. Like you're gonna go up ninety five north. It's a total shit show, but stop it south of the border. Yeah. I mean that's a cool place. You know, I mean, not as far as cool, like, oh, my gosh, we have to stop there. But it's just it's tacky. It's just obnoxious. There's fireworks everywhere and tchotchkes and, you know, just shot glasses that say, you know, whatever. I'm a little uh, I'm a little down. I don't try to get political on the show that often. But the fact that they rip down, you know, Pedro's and the 25 miles and the 100 miles and the 200 miles till Pedro. And I don't know. That rattles me. It rattles me that we, we that got there. So, but I, but you're absolutely right. I got to stop. Is that gone? I, I haven't, I don't think I've traveled by yeah, vehicle think, since 2015 that way. I think they took down the sombrero, the Pedro, the sombrero, all of it. They shut it all down. They would not like my studio then because in my studio, I have a Pedro bobblehead that says south of the border and he's got the sombrero on and everything. <laughs> My my buddy Richard picked it up on 95 South uh, last month and has been sitting here with my uh, – next to the shot glass he picked me up. That was really uh, funny too. Yeah, so if I leave tomorrow, I was considering maybe hugging the coast a little bit. I don't know if that's mm-hmm. a little too ambitious, but I was thinking about maybe checking out some of the islands off of Georgia and uh, things like that. Maybe you know, maybe if, if I, I have my lease signing on Wednesday and uh, if I uh, – if I if I pull that off, I can kind of maybe make some stops, get some content, and do some stuff like that. But we'll see. We'll see if that happens. Um, real quick, I know we've uh, spent a good time. It sounds like it was an absolutely amazing trip, and I really appreciate you coming on and letting us know about it. Because again, we're all out there. Uh, shout out to um, uh, Scott Stevenson and Kara Stevenson. They're in an RV right now. They're probably listening to this in an RV. Uh, as we know, Colin recently got off of an RV trip. So the RV life is big. Uh, this seems to be like whatever you want to say, whether it's uh, all-inclusive vacation, RVing, the cruising, it just seems to be a little travel. It's travel. People, uh, you know, it's like cousins. It's like sort of like the intermi- intermittent family. You know what, man? I mean, if the crap really hits the fan in this world, I mean, that's my backup plan. I have my, <laughs> I have my RV. I have a truck. And I have a little bit of land. Yeah, I don't own the land, but my family has land. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll, I'll dig a hole for the septic and uh, put solar panels on the top of it and uh, live off the grid if I have to. That's that's a good cool thing about the RV or the camper is that you can just uh, anywhere's home. I mean, you see, like you know, my second home is my camper or. Home is where you park or, with, you know, different things on the road you'll see at truck stops and all that stuff. Um, it's true, though. It's yeah. like there's something just so pure about taking a road trip through middle America and just stopping because you want to stop and experience it. I'm not one of those people who are going to put the pedal to the metal and just try to get there. I'm probably – to be honest, I'm probably going to stop every 
two hours or so. Just if I don't need fuel, just to stop and walk around, grab a coffee, go to the world's largest truck stop, or go check out the statue of the Jolly Green Giant or whatever, you know? Yeah. No, definitely. And that's the way to do it. That's absolutely the way to do it. Um, all right, let's switch gears a little bit. So regarding cruising, uh, I've been saying it forever as far as all the people also hopeful about us getting back to sea and everybody kind of weighing in on, you know, this month, next month. I think, you know, again, I think it's really the truth is nobody knows. Nobody knew. But what I always kind of maintained is that you would have to see certain things start to develop before this is even going to begin to take shape. And I feel like for the first time in the last couple of days that some of those things are starting to sh- take shape a little bit. Would you agree? Mm-hmm, totally. And I'm glad you didn't ask me when do I think we're going to cruise again yeah. because I don't speculate. And I was doing an interview with CNN the other day and they asked me, so when do you think we're going to cruise again? I'm like, if I knew that, I wouldn't be working here. Like I, I just – I have no clue, man. Yeah. I, I, usually, usually when you speculate, it's a slippery slope there, right? Because um, – and people do it all the time, but – you can wind up eating your words. It's hard so. for me because I come off like an asshole, and I'm in my group. I'm in these groups, and I see the group mm-hmm. for my sailing that I was supposed to be on in uh, November seventh, and uh, you just see stuff, and it's so hard. I really, really need to just be able to not respond, but I see things like, I my cousin knows somebody from Carnival, and just so everybody knows, the rehearsals are taking place on our ship right now. They're getting the. Uh, I learned through inside channels that the rehearsals for the for the for the main theater shows, they're in rehearsal right now and the crews are getting back on. So it looks like we're going to be sailing. And I want to just be like, oh, you poor thing. Like, I, I, because I, I don't want people to think that the thing's actually sailing. And obviously it just mm-hmm. did get, it just did get canceled. But yeah, regarding a little bit more on a specific level. So I know uh, for whatever reason, what Carnival didn't jump into the fray, but I know Royal Caribbean and, um, and, and and Norwegian formed a coalition, and the purpose of that coalition was to start putting real plans and protocols in place uh, to give a realistic, I guess, idea of what it's going to be like when we need to return. I guess maybe they just kind of, you know, I know they spent a lot of money on a lot of experts. I know they probably considered all the things that the CDC threw out in that 36 uh, item questionnaire. Um, what What is the latest on that? Did So, they're, they've released that, right? They put it out there? Yeah, they did. And back with, you know, everyone was asking, why wasn't Carnival a part of this? Uh, it's safety in numbers, for one. You be represented by CLIA over here. Let Royal Caribbean and Norwegian focus on this one. This way, if the CDC says, hey, we don't like this one, but we like this one, you have two plans here, right? Plus, uh, Carnival Corporation has all the ships that have already started back where – you know, Norwegian and Royal Caribbean, they don't really have those outside of American brands. You know what I mean? Right. Like Royal has the Azamara, the celebrity, um, and they do sail everywhere, but they're all, you know, based here in the U.S., whereas Costa's Italian, Aida's German. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're already getting a jump start back. But back to what you asked me. So, yeah, Royal Caribbean and Norwegian – they have that uh, healthy cruising plan that they submitted. And, it, you know, it's the five areas of focus. So you're talking about, like, the embarkation process, right? Testing, screening, et cetera. Then you have the onboard, 
the sanitation, the using the HEPA filters like the airlines are using, and then of course the medical area. So was that response and contingency? I think they called it. Mm-hmm. Basically, like what to do in case of an emergency, and then you have the uh, shore excursion plan, which involves not only the ships but the vendors and the ports of call. So this goes far beyond just going on a shore excursion. You're talking about having kiosks set up um, at the ports to take temperatures when you're getting back on. There's a lot of logistics there as well for excursion planning. Um, Then, of course, you have the crew members, right? Like they're going to be getting COVID testing before they get on the plane to come from where they live to the ship and then instant testing at the ship and then a 14-day quarantine on the ship. So really three barriers there. Yeah, I, I um, wow. I believe it's thir- I believe it's fourteen days. I yeah. mean, it could be seven, it could be fourteen. I'm just going to say that I've read whether it was Crystal's plan or someone's plan today. It was fourteen days. Yeah, whatever. It's it's good. either way. It's going to be an extended quarantine yeah. for them, and then you have the embarkation. The whole the whole plan around embarkation has to be put in place too, right? A lot of that happening too. Yeah, there's uh, I mean, you know, I I'm keeping my fingers crossed for. You know, probably half of you are going to hate me for saying this, but I'm keeping my fingers crossed for going back in November. Um, I do I'm, I do want to be on the first one back yeah. just because I want to be a part of it and I want to be able to report on it and talk about it and do the, the live stuff there when the first ship goes back. Um, and if it's not November 1st, I'm going to try like hell to be on that first ship back whenever it is, even if it's in January of 21 or Q2 next year. Who the hell knows? Right. So what's been going on as far as the ones that have been going back? I think there's ranging between 50 and 70 percent capacity back, you know, with Costa, Aida, and, and I guess some of the mm-hmm. um, M- MSC has gone back too, I believe. How has that been going? Has it has it would, would the word in the industry, has it been successful so far? Yeah, MSC has had five successful ones. They had that one little incident where someone in Naples on the first cruise back decided, hey, we're going to branch off and do Naples on our own. They got back to the ship and got denied boarding. They had to leave. Um, So they were debarked. So other than that, though, there's been no outbreaks. Um, You know, it's the the testing, right? I mean, they're they're testing people at the pier with MSC. And that's what kind of makes me wonder looking at North American cruising because these plans – they talk about you need to have a test, like uh, you know, a proof in your hand, or you can be denied embarkation. But it just seems to me that it'd be a lot easier. And I know it's a pain. I know it's expensive. But if they were doing that peer side, because if your test is five days old, a lot can happen in five days. True. True. You know. And is there? Did they put in place like? Can it be five? Shouldn't be able to be five days. It should be in twenty four hours or forty eight hours. I would. I would imagine. I mean, I'm just reading what. Yeah. What it's out right now, right? Yeah. So I mean, by the time things get hammered out, I mean, these could change a million times by then until we actually step foot on a ship again. And it was, this is just kind of putting everything forward. And then what's going to happen? These people at the pier are going to be expert. Uh, ID checkers like bouncers at a club that can pick apart an ID that they know exactly how to differentiate a a, a, a fake from an actual real test. Not that it, I wouldn't expect no. it. I'm just trying to think of everything. I know there's not going to be a slew of fake tests being printed out, but you never know. Yeah, I you know you hope not, man. And plus, you know that's the thing, right? One person can screw this up again. One person boarding the ship with a negative test, or I'm sorry, with a positive test. You know, gets on the ship, 
and then whatever happens on board happens on board. Let's just say it goes to this person, to this person, to this person. It takes one s- selfish, you know, person to shut all this down again. And that's why, like going back to Naples with MSC, that's why they debarked them because who knows what the heck those people did, right? Right. They could have, you know, palled around or whatever, and then getting back on the ship. And let's just say they did pick up something, and then you spread out the ship, and there you go. You're shut down again. Yeah, and it was so, crazy. I don't know what the hell was Hertigruten thinking. I thought they—that's what I thought they did. I thought they screwed it up for the entire industry with that circus they had going on over there. You know, luckily, um, yes and no, because they're really small. And no one really pays them that much attention. We do because we're, you know, in the same circles. Mm-hmm. But your average person, you know, they probably didn't think much about it. Kind of like quasi Europe, the the Portugal. Um, well, they were sailing in Portugal on the Douro River when it happened, but they had a major outbreak too yeah. on a river cruise two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And because they're such a small line, really not much gets paid, you know, not much attention gets paid to them. Whereas if it was a, you know, uh, if Carnival had a river cruise company, it would be all over the headlines. Right. I was just assuming, and I agree with that a hundred percent. And with that sentiment, I was just like, all right, I just know how the media works and I know how they kind of like, you know what, cruise lines, you know, because I, I, I saw the article the other day and it was the Orlando Sentinel and they put out this article that said, cruising may be back soon, but guess what? Tourists will not be free to roam around their ports of call. Like, could you tell, could you paint a more dimmer picture of what it is? Mm-hmm. No, you can still go off, you know, and then people in the comments, you know, of course, they just read the headline. Well, if I can't get off the ship, what am I going to go on a cruise for? I agree 100% screw cruising, you know. It's like, you know, it's, why does it, I, I still don't get. It's just, I guess, uh, you know, if it bleeds, it leads type of thing. That just negativity is the way to go. That's that's. Yeah, and it's good to see the sentiment back, like in at least in the financial markets with the cruise industry. I know on Friday, like today, all the cruise lines were up. You know, I think Royal Caribbean was up almost five dollars. Uh, Norwegian was up two, and Carnival was up like a dollar fifty, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's good to see, and that was off of a lot of news that. The cruise lines have experienced the worst already, um, and these are all just from analysts, financial analysts, and institutions putting these releases out. And there's something to be said there too with them manipulating the markets. But um, you know, they're 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 putting this news out saying the worst is behind us now. Yeah. And so people are starting to get bullish on cruising again, which I from this week I, I will tell you I'm more bullish this week than I was last week. Yeah, totally. You know, so. uh, speaking on the financial, sticking with the financial thing for a second, uh, and give, give me a shout out. Cruise Industry News had a article, and the article was basically representative of Carnival and talking about how Carnival Corporation, while it looks like they're bleeding with these eighteen ships and all these layoffs, uh, they kind of broke down and painted a picture about why this is more or less a good thing, and Carnival is going to come out of this a leaner and more profitable company. Now, do you think that is just kind of like a starry-eyed uh, rhetoric, or do you believe that that's actually true? One hundred percent, man. I, I one hundred percent. I mean, you know, people took Carnival laid off the crew and captains and hotel directors this past week. And it got national headlines because it was Carnival, and everyone loves. Doesn't matter if it's IATA or something. Everyone always puts Carnival Cruise Line in the headline, no matter what brand of their ten brands the story's about. But um, this was about Carnival Cruise Line, though. Uh, 
yeah, they had to let go people. They had to let go people because uh, there's no ships to staff the people. So you had to get rid of the captains, hotel directors, crew members. I mean, you know, and hopefully when new ships start coming back online, they can bring these people back because, you know, you're retiring a fantasy class ship that held 2,052 passengers, but you bring in the Mardi Gras out that's holding 6,000. So that's almost three times the amount, you know? So that's more people you could actually hire back in, in a perfect world, I'm saying. You know, I, don't, I know it's not really like that. You only need one captain of a ship. But, you know, as far as servers and other folks who got let go, you have these, you know, bigger, badder, you know, hardware with more occupancy. It's going to need more workers. Yeah, and it's like they still get the bad guy image. Is it Only in cruising right. can it can it be – only in the industry of cruising can it be where the whole entire industry is shut down and not making any money and not able to operate – Industry wide, but still they can be painted as the big bad, you know, evil corporate giant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know, but you know, it goes back to Petri Dish, Titanic, any yeah. negative connotation you can throw at the cruise industry, people are gonna do it and make reference to it in their articles and in their broadcasts just because they can and it's it's easy to do. They're easy to pick on. Totally, totally. Well, it's a little bit of an end of an era here at the K compound. Uh this I said it last night. I thought last night was going to be the last broadcast until I found out my lease signing was moved. So we're still here, but this is, uh, if not the last day, it's one of the last days at the K Compound, and we're kind of getting all ceremonious and sentimental here. Uh, we've had a couple of good talks in this studio. We're going to be on to another studio soon. When you're in New York, hopefully you'll be able to uh, stop by the new digs and uh, do an in-studio. Yeah, man. What part of the city are you moving to? Well, it's that's the thing, Doug. It's nowhere near. The, it's it's not the city. It's actually very close to the city. It's close to Queens, actually. Uh, it's a town called Hewlett, and it is in walking distance of the house I grew up in, the high school that I went to and graduated from. Uh, yeah, so this is a you know this is a homecoming, a, a literally a direct homecoming. You know, when I go back to the city, it's one thing. Of course, it's Sundays at home and hang out with the family at Long Island Railroad. But uh, yeah, I'm actually gonna have an address, and you know, I'm gonna see. I couldn't believe it. You know, we always had this guy who used to sell us beer at the Exxon mm -hmm. store, and uh, you know, eleven of us going. If we bothered him enough, his name was Muhammad. Uh, if we bothered him enough, he would just allow us to buy the beer. He was a nice guy, and you know, I went into the Exxon, and I was like, oh shit, this just just reminds me of. Uh, imagine Muhammad was here. And not only did I walk in there, and 25 years later, Muhammad is standing at the register. He asks me, where have you been? I'm like, are you? Yeah, oh man. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. It kind of is. and It is and it isn't. Um, you know, it's different. When you're in a village, when you're in, town, in a town, you know, there's real direct contact there's real direct interaction there's not this you know oh yeah we'll do brunch there's oh yeah yeah excuse me everybody's, everybody's smiling we'll be assholes to each other but everybody it's weird it's really it's it's actually a community and it's weird and it'll, it'll be cool slash weird to experience for however long that run lasts doug i really really appreciate you coming on man i know you're busy and i appreciate you giving us a couple of minutes yeah man it's good talking to you and good luck on your uh, your drive and your new venture up in uh, Manhattan or I guess where is it going to be Queens the restaurant no the restaurant is going to be in Rockville Center in Nassau County Long Island oh wow okay yeah <laughs> so you show so much I know yeah um, okay well I guess I'll just say stop by when you're coming through Jacksonville let's have a have a, at least have some barbecue absolutely and when you come up I will have the fireball ready 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother. Ladies and gentlemen, your emails, your e- that's right, I'm talking about your emails. They have become a lifeblood of the show. And it's always a treat for me when I log on to my always be booked, you know, Tommy at always be booked email account and see who's out there, new questions, new comments, new suggestions. Some of you keep it short and sweet. Some of you, you know, write, write the novels. You know what I mean? Sid style. Sid was the inspiration. Sid, I don't know if you rem- I don't know if you know this Sid, but you broke ground when you started writing those epic long emails. A lot of people you've inspired and they continue to do that. So that's good. I like it. But uh yeah, so the emails are really really, you know, a, a driving force of the show. Before we talk about the emails, I wanted to I guess talk a little bit about, you know, and then I'm not going to go into too much detail because again like i said the patreon show is separate from this show and it's that way for a reason you know i know a lot of people come here for yes some of my hijinks but a lot of you standard cones have may or may not have a a less of a tolerance for that you know what i mean you're like yeah tommy be a little weird every once in a while but let's 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 talk about cruising um and we'll do that and we'll do that on this show now what i am doing in just a day or two here, is moving back to New York, New York City, not quite New York City, about 20 minutes away, and uh, I will be moving to my hometown, and, uh, you know, it's my home little neighborhood, and uh, it's a place called uh, Rockville Center, and we're going to be opening up a uh, new location, a bar restaurant, you guys know if you've followed the show for a while, that that is my main source of income for my career have not done that at all for a while yeah i did a couple of stints down here with a couple of places and uh it's just been a while since i've actually taken the bull by the horns and done what i've done for so long which is you know the better part of 15 years which was just oversee and operate hands-on direct management uh from a general manager or supervisory standpoint of bars and restaurants and you know there's, there's a lot of people out there struggling, and there's a lot of people out there that are unemployed right now, and you know, I had to, I had to make a difficult decision because I really was bright-eyed about going forward and really kind of immersing myself in the always-be-booked situation here. Now, I am still going to conduct this show, and I am still going to conduct the Patreon daily. But, um, you know, all the other stuff that I wanted to do around that, like, you know, overhaul the website or really kind of do special events and meetups and maybe uh, land-based travel vacations and, you know, things like that, like group trips with us. And you know, that stuff is going to have to go on hold a little bit. But, you know, the, the, the shows are going to be there. I am absolutely committed to budgeting my time and making sure I could pull that off. And we'll be here for you. You know what I mean? If you like what you hear once a week, stay with the once a week. You know, this whole situation has been very, very tricky. I was moving, then I wasn't moving. Then I was, then I wasn't. You can call it whatever you want. What it really was at the end of the day, 
little trouble uh, trouble in paradise, little tough negotiations back and forth, battling a few little last-minute caveats had me thinking that maybe I was going to be staying here at the K compound with you guys, despite the fact that I was half-packed and half-ready to go and, you know, already got an apartment up there. That almost went to bed. That almost completely shut down and I wasn't going. But I'm not going to bore you with that stuff. If you are into that type of thing, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash always be booked. Check that out. Just $5 a month. But like I said, without further ado, let's get into your emails. Have I mentioned to you that they have become a lifeblood of the show? They really have. But yeah. All right, let's do it. So let's start out with... Hey, Tommy. My name is Colton. I know you, Colton. You've written before. We know who you are. I'm from Austin, Tex- the Austin, Texas area, 23 years old, and an avid cruiser and a huge fan of your show. A member of the Cruises Ultra Lounge, and a, so he's a Patreon member, and share the same passion for cruising as you talk about on your show. I've always cruised Carnival for cruises and have always had the time of my life on every Carnival cruise I've been on. I cruise with my two best friends who are both 6'5", identical twins. Are these the guys who started Facebook that Zuckerberg robbed? (laughs) As you can imagine, the tall twins aspect is quite the social attraction and we meet and talk and drink with a lot of awesome people on the cruise because of it. Yeah, that's a nice little conversation starter, I guess. Two six foot five identical twins, that'll do it. It's also a big help with the pockets as well. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, pockets are just any group of traveling females that might be on the Lido deck or lurking throughout the ship that, you know, some single gentlemen might seem as a you know a possible target for social activity. We call them pockets. You know what I mean? It's war out there. We're out there trying to meet people, you know, maybe friends or more than friends sometimes. And uh, oh, there's a pocket over there, pocket over there. You know what I mean? So pocket of resistance. And we see a couple. So that's the explanation on pockets because I do get that question as well. We went on an eight-day cruise last summer with uh, on the Freedom And the three of us had the time of our lives. And let me tell you, we did the things. The guys and I are looking to book a summer of 2021 cruise. We were booked on the new Mardi Gras out of Port Canaveral for New Year's Eve. Oh, my gosh. But unfortunately, that was canceled due to the ship construction not being ready in time. We are looking to venture out and maybe try a different home port besides Galveston and are open to anything. I wanted to ask you, due to your experience and similar social cruising style, what is your recommendation on the perfect time, perfect ship size, and home port to cruise from for three very social and outgoing 23-year-olds for the best cruising experience possible? The biggest ship we have been on is the Breeze, 4,000 guests, great time. Should we venture out and go bigger? What month is the busiest month most popular for the party social nightlife crowd that we both search for? And what home port itinerary do you recommend? Also, what is your recommendation for most pocket possibilities as well? I see where you're going here, Colton. Uh, (laughs) One track mind, and I absolutely love it. Have heard great things about the South Florida ports. Looking for a week-long minimum on Carnival? 
Once again, huge fan of your show, and thank you for all that you do. Looking forward to hearing from you, Colton Austin, Round Rock, Texas. Colton, I remember you from back in the day. You emailed before. We've spoke. We've kind of, you know, interacted here and there. Now, it's a complicated question, and clearly what you're doing is three, you know, strapping young men out there looking to meet some ladies. That's fine. On a cruise. What I would say to put yourself in a position to do that, which you guys should probably do. Now, you can look at it like both ways, because if you found yourself on a theme cruise, whether it's one of those country cruises or whether it's one of those uh, EDM cruises, those DJ driven cruises, rock cruises, you're going to find a lot of people in your demographic and you're going to find a lot of people that are out there. But, you know, the issue with that is, is that, you know, you gonna have a bunch of, you know, people like you guys. So I'm, I'm sure you'll have no problem. You'll do your thing. But. Let's just say, you know, there's going to be, whereas you might just have the pick of the litter, you know, and I should maybe say it like that, but you might just be able to go out and choose your shot, uh, you know, on a regular cruise. But you'll just, I guess I would say the competition level will be higher. But I got a feeling, Colton, you don't sound like the type of guy that's nervous about that or worried about that. You and your six foot five twin friends. Here's what we got to do. You don't want to go much over. Now, if you're looking for a zoo, a party cruise, you know what I mean? What you want to do is do a short cruise, three to five days. You want to do it out of Miami or Fort Lauderdale, and you want to do it, you know, let's say, anywhere from March or April, anywhere from March to May, okay? What you want to avoid is the summer months, okay? If you're cruising during the summer, you're going to be inundated with families, Okay, so to get that, you know, the manifest is is what they print out, and that's the list of everybody on board. And they have, you know, the cruise lines, they have, they, they know the manifest. And I guess it's just an algorithm or just a formula. And by the where people are coming from, by the age groups, by how many kids there are, they will have different adjustments put on the, let's just say, when you're walking around and you're hearing the regular filtered piped in music, through the hallways or in in major common areas, you know, if they, they'll have a lot of more hip hop or like popular music, top forty, if they know it's a, the, if the cruise skews younger, so they kind of know. But I would just say basically, you know, I think you were on the right track. You know, if you're talking about November, December, you know, you're probably going to get a good amount of families, but on a New Year's Eve cruise. There's going to be tons and tons of people uh, who are looking to get down. So you're probably fine. But you want to avoid times when school is out. Okay, When the school is out, schools are out, that's when the parents take the kids on vacation. Uh, I know you want to go on a seven or eight day cruise. And that's fine. I don't want to do a four or five, three to five day cruise either. But I'm just saying if you want the most action packed, wild, spring breaky, uh you know, pocket heavy environment, you do the shorter cruises five days or less, but that's not in the cards. Cause I'm with you. You want to cruise for more than that. That's fine. We went on that Norwegian sky and it was a zoo. You know what I mean? I mean, nothing was like the Florida Georgia line cruise. Nothing was like that. Nothing will ever be like that. It was, I mean, amazing. Brantley Gilbert, another country artist who I'm sure you're familiar with, has picked up that cruise because Florida Georgia Line doesn't do it anymore. The, the, the lineup isn't quite as good. 
I do have a few people that do go on that that I know from the Florida Georgia Line cruise. They all have a great time, but what are you going to do? You're not, you're not going to have a bad time. It's impossible. So I would say just you can't go over eight days, though. Seven or eight days, eight, you're going to max out at eight days because, you know, think about it. Young people your age, it's short attention span. And, you know, while maybe they even would love to be away for nine days, a lot of times those cruises are a little bit more expensive. A lot of times you need a lot more time off from work and school that they won't be able to get. So you got to keep it under eight days. Definitely out of Miami. And you know what? Definitely, you know, do your due diligence beforehand. If you're cruising out of Miami, set up some pre-parties. Join those cruise groups on Facebook. See who's out there. Do a little light stalking, a little light lurking. See who's there and, you know, exchange a couple of pictures with you and your friends next thing you know you're having drinks at sugar factory or senior frogs the night before and that's when it all starts okay it's another important thing if you i always say if you're trying to uh quote unquote get it in try to be as social as possible on night one of the cruise you want to do better than that start on night zero see where they are early before the cruise even starts but uh, again, to answer your questions, if you're going to leave Texas, yes. Miami, number one. Fort Lauderdale, number two. Uh, cruise has to be under eight days or under. And you want to make sure that it is uh, definitely the prime spots are May through. Um, sorry, March through May. But if you can't do March through May, definitely try to make it so that it's not dead summer or any of the major holidays. New Year's Eve being the exception because you know what? I don't see a lot of kids, uh, even if there are a lot of kids on a New Year's Eve cruise, there's going to be so many people ready to party, it's going to be fine. And um, I would say, as far as cruise lines, I don't think you can go wrong. You know what I mean? I feel like Royal Caribbean is a shade behind Carnival and Norwegian. If you're looking for that dance floor party, that fun vibe where everybody's out there, that clubby environment, nightlife-centric, you could find nightlife on, on Royal Caribbean. It's there. They got the one... Uh, they got the one bar and club that goes late night that's upstairs. Yeah, what is it called? It's called something different on every, on every ship. You also have the English pub. You have Boleros. You have, uh, you know, stuff like that. But Carnival and Norwegian really excel when it comes to the nightlife. There's multiple different events and clubs and deck parties. I mean, Royal Caribbean just shits the bed totally when it comes to deck parties, in my opinion. But uh, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. You know what I mean? Even even we've even me, I'm pushing. Uh, you know, I'm in my 40s, and uh, even us by going by those formulas and having some fun, and you know, getting out there on certain occasions, man. When me and Nick went on that one spring break cruise, we had no idea what we were getting involved with. That was a great week. That's all I could say. I mean, we were trying to keep up with each other, going from the piano bar to the martini bar to the nightclub, back to the comedy club, then to deck parties. It was just a a great time. And many, many, many late night sunrises were watched in the company of, uh, let's just say, the, uh, the, the fairer sex. It was a nice time. And I'm, and I'm a disaster. <laughs> All right, here we go. Tommy, love the podcast. I thought I would send you this email concerning my recent weekend stay at an all-inclusive in Pennsylvania under the COVID restrictions. The place was called Woodlotch Resort. The guy at check-in called the place uh, the closest to a cruise ship but on land. Okay. So 
there's a little bit of a pride thing in there that where, where they're trying to purposely go after that cruise market. Based upon the activities, dining, etc., here's how they handled it. Pre-check-in in the parking lot, temperature taken. Check-in, standard with the exception of plexiglass, an amenity bag given out with hand sanitizer. One cup had clean pens, the other cup had used dirty pens. Wow, okay, so they're, they're even being careful with the pens. Resort, indoors or outdoors masks are required so you got to wear a mask everywhere you're walking around and you're seeing that i saw that in key west in those places in key west where there was mallory square or along the boardwalk or the or the like the seawall you would see that pe- that you had to put a mask on you were asked to put a mask on i had a feeling by the amount of people that were on duval street with masks i had to say that they had to be the, the rule had my guess is that the rule was you're supposed to wear a mask because it was about 75, 80% of the people wearing masks. And then, of course, 20% were saying, no, I'm not wearing masks. But, yeah, what are the cops going to do? Arrest everybody not wearing a mask? So I would say that if, if there was a mandate that you didn't have to wear a mask, I would say it would probably be the opposite direction. Probably 20% people wearing masks or about 80% not wearing masks. Everybody's outside. You know what I mean? Everybody can walk away. So because I saw 80% of the people... I'm assuming that, you know, I, it, there wasn't, uh, I, I guess maybe I, nobody told us. I mean, we had the masks on when we were walking around just because we saw most people doing it. Uh, room, no housekeeping during the day, during the stay. No housekeeping? Wait, hold on. I'm sorry. Resort, indoors, outdoors, masks are required. Only once were a group of teenage girls sitting in a group at the theater told nicely by a manager to keep the masks on. That was the thing in Key West. Beatrix will remember. We're at this place called uh, Mangoes, I believe it was. And we're uh, <laughs> everybody's involved. This whole mask thing is a full team effort. So we'll listen to the guy, the, the crooner, playing the guitar and singing, Wasting away again in Margaritaville. Please put your mask on. Sipping on. He was like literally interrupting his own song to intermittently remind people that you have to wear a mask lost shaker insult if i have to tell you again i'm gonna have to ask you to leave wasting away it was it was actually very very funny you're trying to get into the song and he's just like literally spending half the wasting away again i swear it's not our fault they'll shut us down if we don't if we don't enforce the rules in margaritaville (laughs) it was really happening uh the room, no housekeeping during the stay. If you needed towels or extra soap, etc., you called and they delivered. The ventilation situation was under the under the window. AC heat units, unlike a cruise ship. Uh, dining, they have one main dining room and only one one meal time too. However, meal time does run about two hours, so people are not necessarily in there at the same time, which is different from the cruises too because they want you there at that one time so that they could bang out all those meals you know what i mean technically it's just a one shift service which is why they get so mad if you're 20 minutes late for dinner because you know what that just throws them all there out of their rhythm you know they have all the starters that they're working on there's a flow to it you know by the time you get there they're working on the entrees and then all of a sudden someone comes in and it's one two five ten people that are ordering the starters and that kind of gets them out of their rhythm but i guess here it's encouraged you got two hour window show up whenever you want 
two hours though. Two hours is pretty much what that's one of my biggest complaints about main dining rooms on cruise ships is that they hold they hold you tight for you know two hours. I think they really should work on shortening that process. You know what I mean? There's no reason why you got to go through speeches from six different maitre d's about how you're supposed to tip, especially on the last night and all the ceremonies. And this one's got to speak. Listen, it's my last night on my cruise. Can I leave dinner and go get my get the party started? I don't know. You tell me what you think. Um, I estimated 150 people max. We were assigned the CA. Yeah, you could do it when it's a manageable number like that. We were assigned the same table and wait staff the whole weekend. One waiter took the order. One waiter soft drinks. One waiter booze. Separate busboy to remove plates. Two appetizers to pick from. Five. Just that's it. Two appetizers. Five entrees. Service was quick and efficient to keep people moving. FYI, lunch on one day was a barbecue. Staff was spread out in the station serving what ordinarily would have been a buffet. If you did not want to eat in the dining room, you could order takeout. So, yeah, so I think you're going to find that the whole dining experience is a lot different. You got to say, cruising, you know, it's like you're you're almost at a real restaurant when you're in the main dining room. Clearly, Whatever it is, whatever resources they have to work with, the facilities, the logistics, I guess these all-inclusives are not able to pull off the, I guess, the amount of selection that you'd find in a main dining room on a cruise ship. Activities. Almost all activities, a bumper car, uh, almost all activities, bumper cars, archery, zipline were by appointment only. Miss more than three appointments and your app privileges are suspended. <laughs> I mean, I get it. You know what I mean? It's like you don't want to be an asshole to people and start putting restrictions on people for, uh, you know, spending their money at your location. But you, when you do make an appointment or a reservation, that's theoretically shutting people out. And, um, you know, that's not fair to everybody. So I guess I guess that makes sense. Arcade. No visible change at all. Theater. No stadium seating. Seating was set up like the old Copacabana. Well, uh, that's... I ran a Copacabana, but it was the new Copacabana in Fort Lauderdale in 2012. I don't know the old Copacabana. Tables with movable chairs around. Two show uh, two show times instead of one with limits on how many people could be in the room. Masks are required unless you had a drink in front of you. That is funny. See, and that's what I'm saying. A lot of people will just knock that. Oh, clearly, if you have a drink in front of you, you can't get COVID-19. But if you don't have a drink, you can. Oh, yeah. Listen, it's not an exact science. I get it. That it does sound ridiculous. If you're drinking, feel free to take your mask off. You have people buying drinks that don't drink just so they don't have to wear a mask. But again, yes, as ridiculous as that sounds, just trying to figure something out. They're trying their best. You know what I mean? The percentages go down. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. Both performances were one-man type shows. Performers did not wear masks. Bars, no stools at the bar, tables and chairs. However, you could walk up to the bar, order a drink. Mask required unless you had a drink in front of you. Nightclub, dancing allowed. However, a pre-announcement to dance with your group only capacity limited. Wait, hold on, what? However, dance allowed. However, a pre-announcement to dance with your group only. Okay, so you can only dance with the people that you came with you can't roam around you know what i mean so you would have to you would have to um stick with your crew so colton you'd be in a little trouble here you're gonna have to uh 
dance with the girl you bring. Um, indoor swimming pool, 15 guests at a time, no mask. Of pride. This sounds like a nightmare, actually. <laughs> this, uh, this actually sounds like a little bit of a nightmare, and, and I guess maybe you'll get to that in a little while. But 15 guests at a time in the pool, no masks, approximately 60,000-gallon pool. Hot tub, two guests at a time. All the people in the resort, two people can use the hot tub. No masks in the hot tub. For those that do not want to wear a mask at all, it's not going to work. What was bizarre is that you cannot see anyone's facial expressions, so everyone looks pissed off. But in actuality, people are smiling and glad to see you. Verdict is that it is doable on a cruise ship. And that is from S. Emil Lisboa the Fourth. Hope I said that right. I did my best. S. Emil Lisboa the Fourth. So that's some good information. That's some really good information to have if you're going to go to an all-inclusive resort. I was toying with the idea. I was in talks with um, uh, Club Med down here in near uh, Port St. Lucie about just experiencing the all-inclusive and you know I think they were going to extend me a weekend, but I was just going back and forth. Do I have to? I was answering a bunch of questions. How many followers do I have? Okay, that's fine. Uh, would you be okay with paying? It was just back and forth too much. And I'm like, you know, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of times these things, these all inclusives, if they're not like really nice, they can. And, and I'm getting the vibe from this one, and I'm not sure if if it's accurate or not. It feels like a little bit of a. Um, like a summer camp, like an adult summer camp vibe. I'm trying to figure out where. Okay, so this is Pennsylvania. So, yeah, I used to go to a place called, um, my family and me used to go to a place called, uh, oh, what was it called? Pine Grove. It was like a dude ranch, but it was very, like, it had the archery and everything. I don't I don't know. I'm sure it's very, very nice. I'm sure it's enjoyable, especially if you have a family. But, yeah, this does not, to me, Sound like it's really on par with cruising. All right. Hey, Tommy, I want to address the last podcast about the world cruise. You mentioned a couple of places you wanted to visit, and I agree you should go. Well, as soon as we're able to travel overseas safely, of course. Let's talk about Paris real quick. I've been a couple of times and definitely will go again in the future. Your concerns about it, about the people and language isn't really an issue. Pretty much everybody can speak English. In fact, wherever, whenever we would say merci, the French people would respond, you are welcome. Yeah, they just don't, they just don't want to hear you try to butcher their language anymore, probably. So even if we tried speaking basic words, they would smile and speak English back to us. And if there was ever an issue with some communication uh, or difficulties, we would just use Google Translate. We found the French people to be so nice and in fact, whenever we encountered rude people, it was always drum roll, Americans. Ouch. Now go on to Italy. Well, I'll just say first, that's good to know. That's good to hear. I It was just always the legendary thing you heard about Paris is that, you know, they just find it annoying. But, you know, everything, everybody who's a local, everybody who is a local living in a tourist area is annoyed by tourists, which is amazing, right? First of all, they pay your salary, and they're also not going anywhere. You're living; a, you choose to live in a tourist area and make your money in a tourist area. It's like I got—I used to get in these cab drivers. 
I used to get in these cabs with these drivers in New York City, and they would just have road rage. Oh, come on. And they'd, be, they'd have one hand on the wheel and one hand on the horn the whole time. I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, what what do you think? Like, do you the type of guy that buys a dog or gets a dog and get mad gets mad when it barks? Like, you're in New York. You're driving a taxi cab in New York City traffic in the middle of the day. Do you think you're going to get free-flowing country road open highway? Well, come on. I mean, you have to change your frame of mind and manage your expectations and realize that you're going to be, people are going to be all over the place. There's going to be lights. There's going to be other cab drivers trying to pick people up. I mean, you're just setting yourself up. I mean, I can't imagine that. I mean, just imagine a cab driver, 10 hour day, just cursing at people all day, mad, angry, mad. I mean, it's weird, right? But yeah, I guess, uh, you know, people who live in tourist areas very often just don't like tourists but it is what it is and yeah americans on vacation can be a pain in the ass too so now go on to italy most people know how to speak english if not we had our app ready no words can describe the feeling of actually being there in many uh i'm many generations of being american but i am mexican of mexican descent and even I felt like I was returning to the motherland, especially Florence and Rome, the two places I cannot wait to visit again in the future. It's truly a life-changing experience. We hired a touring company to take us around, and just seeing the umbrella pines along with the ancient Roman highways, you feel transformed back in time. Listening to our drivers speak about doing the things, I remember looking out the window at the most incredible landscape, and out of nowhere... I had tears coming down. It was bliss. That's really cool. See that the way you describe that right there definitely makes me want to do it. Uh, just seeing things, just being a part of areas and places that are just older. I mean, you go to the Grand Canyon and places like that, it's as old as it gets. But as far as the civilization and things that are man-made structures, you don't, you know, you're only going back, you know, four or five hundred years tops here. You know, but if you go to you go to overseas to Europe, you you can see some stuff that is centuries and centuries and centuries old, and just kind of seeing the ancient roadways and the landscape and everything like that. You definitely got me going. You definitely got me wanting to be out there. And oh, by the way, pizza. Uh, now onto the food. In all the European countries I have visited, the food was always amazing. You literally feel like you are tasting food for the first time. Everything tastes incredible. We were always blown away at how amazing everything tasted, like flavor explosion happening in your mouth. I could go on and on about Paris and Italy, but I'm trying to make this email short. <laughs> LOL. That's from Olivia. Olivia is a very loyal super cone uh, member of the Patreon, and she's a very, very uh, awesome participant. And Olivia, just know that I appreciate your support and I appreciate your participation so much. You, you are one of the people who really, really keep this whole train going. So, thank you for that. But this is some good insight, man. The emails are good this week. You know what I mean? I appreciate it. Don't forget, guys. I know a lot of people like the emails, so keep them coming. And we did good this past week. So. Uh, I know sometimes I have to reach and scratch and claw and try to, you know, nudge you guys a little bit, but uh, the emails are good. They're really enjoying these emails, so great job, and I'm reading them for the first time now as well, so I don't go through them first as long as they seem like they're, I read the first couple of sentences, make sure they're not just to, make sure they're meant to be read on air, so that's what I do, and then once I realize that, I just kind of copy and paste them into my show notes and we get ready to go. 
um, number four, Tommy, you mentioned no emails and wanted them. So here's an email. <laughs> okay. To the point a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned knowing city, knowing cities due to WWE going there. Okay. All right. Do you still watch wrestling? Would you go on the Jericho cruise? I see. I can tie wrestling into cruising. And that is from Evan. Evan, no, I do not watch wrestling anymore. Uh, I was, and let's be honest, a lot of people outgrow wrestling, but nowadays a lot of adults still do love wrestling. I do not watch it right now. I try to. I tried to do on a wrestling night, a Monday Night Raw night at uh, when I was in Orlando. I really tried to force myself to get into it. It didn't really take. But back in the day, I was obsessed I would say probably up until about seventh grade, maybe or so. I was a freak. I couldn't. I had a wrestling club. We couldn't have access to those cool toy wrestling belts back then. I would take a wrestling belt and and glue cardboard to it, so it would look like a belt. And you know, me and like nine or ten of my friends, we'd have this wrestling club, and we'd wrestle each other. And uh, you know, one we'd have a champion, an intercontinental champion. But yeah, I I remember every Saturday morning you would just listen and, you know, during the WWF it was. It wasn't WWE, it was WWF back then. WWF is on tour, coming to a city near you, Roanoke, Virginia, Chattanooga, Tennessee, the, uh, you know, Atlanta, Georgia, and all the whole tour and um, the Civic Center in Ohio. I just would know these places just because of them getting shouted out you know what i mean i'm sitting in long island but i'm knowing all these places just because one time and then i heard one time i was so this is a funny one i'm always hearing these random cities and i'm learning the names of these cities or whatever through the and then one time i heard and then live tuesday night at the freeport high school gym i'm like did he just say freeport high school gym and that's probably 10 minutes 15 minutes away from the house i was in at that time I told my grandfather, my dad was working. I was like, can you take me to this thing? And I was actually afraid. Evan, I was afraid. Who was on the card that night? Uh, The Samoans, okay? I did not know. We were in like the first couple of rows. It was in a high school gym. WWE wrestling stars in a high school gym. Uh, This will go way back before your time, but Chief J Strongbow, uh, Mr. Fuji, Mr. Saito, uh, it was always funny how real they, I mean, they're not afraid to racially profile in wrestling, or at least they used to not be, but they had Afa and Sika who were the Samoans, just these scary looking guys. And I was terrified. I was, because when you'd boo these guys, I didn't know it was fake. I thought it was still real at the time. And, uh, I'm like, what if they come and beat us up? What if they come into the crowd and beat us up? If we're yelling at them and everybody's screaming at them. And I remember, these Samoan guys, one guy, Samoan guy got thrown out of the ring. He's like 6'4", 280, with a giant head of Samoan hair that goes around his shoulders, big beard, and he just doesn't, you know, no, no English, and he just looks he looks at you like an animal, and he comes over to the, to the gate where we're sitting, and he's staring at the crowd, looking at everyone. Everybody's boo, 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 and then I'm shitting my pants literally like is this guy gonna climb over this gate how why is he and then my i look over at my grandfather and he is dying laughing i'm like all right i guess we're safe but uh yeah but i don't get into it now 
the Chris Jericho cruise. Shout out to my buddy Nick. See, Chris Jericho cruise. I do know about that cruise. He's also a musician, and he's got a band, and his band plays on that cruise too. If you're a wrestling fan, like I said, that's the beauty of theme cruises. Like like-minded people up and down every deck. Now, I'm sure if you're looking for pockets, maybe the wrestling cruise isn't going to blow you away, but who knows? You never know. Uh, Hi, Tommy. I've been listening to your podcast for a while and I've often thought about writing in. Something you said in episode 137 really struck a chord with me. It was about wanting to want to spend a week in London, Paris, etc., but knowing that once you were there, you'd be questioning why you didn't take a cruise instead. Sometimes people tell me about their long-distance vacations, and I start to wonder whether I should make the effort to fly somewhere further afield. But while that sounds great in theory, I know I'd rather just use my limited time off to work of work to cruise from an easily accessible port. I have done 15 cruises out of, out of the UK and France, all of which I have traveled to by car or train. Similar to what you have said, finding hotels, restaurants, evening entertainment, and spending time in airports all just seem like unnecessary hassle compared to having it all taken care of on a cruise. I also don't think I'm missing out on the cultural experiences by focusing on cruises. I have already visited 11 countries uh, 11 different countries by ship. While I'm here, I thought you might like to hear about my most recent cruise. I was on the inaugural voyage of Costa Smeralda, a uh, sister ship to the Carnival Mardi Gras. Okay, so this is a monster ship you were on. Over Christmas 2019, visiting five ports in the Med. Despite my earlier comments about how easy it is to cruise, this particular journey was a bit of an ordeal. The ship was supposed to have its first voyage in October, but it had been delayed twice. We were quite worried it would be delayed again even further, but we ended up boarding on the second day of the first cruise. Costa picks up passengers at every port. There was a train strike in the UK, making our journey into London to catch the Eurostar, taking much longer than expected. There was also a transportation strike in France, meaning we missed our connection and got to Marseille, 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 Marseille much later than expected. Marseille? Oh, I'm embarrassed. The, tra- the transport strike was also affecting the port workers, so instead of boarding in Marseille, Costa put us on a coach, put us on a coach for an extra six-hour six road trip to board in Barcelona instead. Costa handled that really well. My partner had quite a heavy cold, and we were worried that we might not be allowed to board. He actually ticked the box to say he didn't feel well on the boarding form, but we needn't have worried. The check-in person asked if he had a fever. He said no, and we were allowed on. I'm sure that wouldn't happen post-COVID. Wow, yeah. See, a lot of people talk about those boxes and uh, or those, those forms, and it's not necessarily the fact that you're not going to be allowed on the ship. It's just that if there is a big problem, you know, and a bunch of people do get sick, it's more for like post post cruise purposes. You know, if there's an outbreak or 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 something happens, and people who do say that they're sick, 
they will look into that. They'll say, well, this person was sick, you know, and uh, maybe they shouldn't be allowed to do all these activities or maybe they should be quarantined. I think it's mostly insurance purposes for once the cruise takes place. Uh, Once on board, there were no more dramas and the cruise was great. The ship was huge with lots of big open spaces, so I think that class of ships will be great for social distancing. On Costa, they party all night and the drink package is a bargain. My favorite place was the indoor pool on the top deck where they had a great live band. There were a few negative points. The theater is very small and it was really hard to see the stage. Well, that's crazy because the theater on Carnival on these uh, hori- uh, the, the Vista class of ships is weird. You know what I mean? There were blind spots. It looked like from the Mardi Gras that they had gotten those theater issues out of the way. Now, if this is a carbon copy of the Mardi Gras, that means that's not the case. But if there are some subtle changes between the Smeralda and the Carnival Mardi Gras, you still should be in good shape. From the renderings and the pictures that I looked at, it looks like the theater looks like a very, very comfortable place to be. But I guess we'll keep our head up. Um, Carol here. It says that the theater is very small and hard to see the stage, so let's keep our eye out for that on the Mardi Gras. The atrium, called the Coleso, also has shows, but again, it was hard to get a good view. The buffet was quite minimal, but that's to be expected on Costa as it's really cheap. There are more, better food available if you pay for it. I'm hoping they will sort out these issues on P&O, Iona, and Mardi Gras. Thanks for reading, Carol. Carol, thank you so much for the email. I really appreciate it. But yes, that's the uh, the P&O Iona and the Carnival Mardi Gras. These are all the same, basically, sister ships that are all going to... It's going to be interesting. It's interesting that you say that the theater is tight. And yeah, I also said the same thing about the uh, atrium, where the shows that used to go on in there were seemingly more or less impromptu. And they're very, very successful as impromptu kind of pop-up shows. It's going to be interesting to see once they ride that wave and make it so it's an actual production in the atrium. Is it going to have the same allure? Looking forward to it. But man, the Mardi Gras is not a ship that I am absolutely looking forward to getting on. I cannot wait. It's going to be uh, It's definitely, you know, we're doing the celebrity on June 4th. I think after the June 4th and celebrity, we got to find our way onto that Mardi Gras. But that's pretty much it. Yeah, this is us signing off from the K compound for the final time. K is a great roommate, a great host, a great everything. So I want to make sure that uh, I put that out there and make sure that I, you know, it's just a real, real pleasure being here and kind of, you know, Boca Raton is just a really nice place. South Florida overall is a really nice place, but even more specifically, Boca Raton. I never thought I'd live in Boca Raton. I never had the desire to be in Boca Raton. I would always kind of associate Boca Raton with either just college, FAU, or just like billionaires. You know what I mean? But no, there's a nice little town, a nice little suburban kind of, uh, you know, type of vibe here where it's comfortable. People are very nice. People are content. Yes, there is some high-end areas, but, you know, it's funny. It's, it's almost like Queens where, you know, you walk a block, you see uh, people who are clearly struggling. And then in a couple of blocks further than that, you're seeing multi-level mansions on the water with boats and all the toys. But, yeah, I loved it here. It was a great run. I have a feeling I will return to the K-Compound uh, at some point. But for now, we are out of here. Either today or tomorrow, we will begin the 1,200-mile trek up north 
to New York. And yes, there will be updates constantly. I'm not going to bother you guys. Those will be on the Patreon. We'll do some impromptu lives, maybe videos, maybe audios. But yes, in the car, what else am I going to have to do? I'm going to fire up the uh, little voice recorder and we will communicate on the Patreon marathon. If you don't know what that means, it's a little inside stupid thing. But either way, um, I appreciate you guys listening. I don't know why it feels weird, like I'm like I'm stopping the show. I'm going to do a show again next week. But it does feel weird that I'm sitting here much amongst a bunch of packed up bags and bins and ready to travel in the next day or so. You guys are the best. Boat drinks, cones. There's a place where the boat is from. It takes away. I love your big problems You got worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Take one part sand, one part sea And one part shade of a nine-nine tree And the drinks are cold and the reggae is hot And I know this is the place for me Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away I love your big problems You got worries, you could drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Perfectly good island somewhere Well, all ride the boats and don't grab your coat You won't need it where we are going Get away to where the boat leaves from It takes away all of your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the boat leaves from Pick me up Pick me up Pick me up Put me down down in the sand where it's cool Put me down And when I fall on my stool Put me down I'll just leave there till morning comes round With sunshine ten ladies And pina coladas And Bob Marley songs that I'm playing There's a song in my ear That I want you to hear Soft tropical lips that are singing Get away where the boat leaves from It takes away All of your big problems You got worries You can drop them In the blue ocean But you gotta get away To where the boat leaves from So get away To where the boat leaves from It takes away All of your big problems You got worries You can drop them In the blue ocean But you gotta get away To where the So get away To where the boat leaves from It takes away I love your big problems You got worries, you can drop them in the blue ocean But you gotta get away to where the police from